at the outset of uh, our journey through John, my goal was to be finished before Advent. As Linda mentioned, we have an opportunity on Saturday to help get out some Christmas decorations as we usher in the beginning of Advent. So whether I want to be done with John or not, time to wrap it up. Somebody is thinking, finally, preacher, move on. Come on, there's more than just just uh, just John. But I hope it's been I hope it's been helpful for you to get a, a wider picture of some of the themes of the gospel, some of the uh, the the way that the gospel moves in uh, Jesus uh, presenta- or presentation of Jesus' ministry and Jesus' purpose in coming. In many ways, to be honest with you, we've probably barely scratched the surface. I think I told you that uh, there was a pastor at First Baptist Ottawa who one uh, season took three years in John. We cut it in a third, folks. Uh, so... <laughs> But we'll trust the Spirit will implant in our hearts and minds those truths meant for us, especially at this time in our lives. I've, I've, in, I've enjoyed the, uh, the, the process. It's been a good discipline for me uh, as a student of God's Word uh, beyond, uh, beyond even just, just kind of preaching it. So uh, as we've concluded, though, we've examined the messages given by Jesus post resurrection. We've tried to identify the commission or the tasks assigned specifically to some of his closest followers. We began a couple weeks ago with Mary Magdalene. After finding the tomb was empty Easter morning, she of course rushed back to Jesus' closest disciples for help. And they rushed to the tomb and they found her account was accurate. And then the men turned and went home. She stayed. And during that uh, portion of time, Jesus appeared to her and commissioned Mary Magdalene to announce his resurrection. I think I even may have called her at that service, the apostle to the apostles, the first one to encounter knowingly the resurrected Lord, and then the first to be able to announce that to those who had followed him. And two weeks ago, the last time that I was here, we looked at the interaction that Jesus had with Peter. Jesus' initial message to the one he nicknamed the rock was one of forgiveness and restoration. You'll remember he inquired of Peter three times in regard to his love for Jesus. It clearly represented a an opportunity for Peter to call to mind or address the three times just days later he denied Jesus. Then the commission to Peter was a repeat of Jesus' initial invitation when calling Peter at the Sea of Galilee. It was, follow me. That was really the core of what Peter was being called to do, even as a leader of the early church simply to follow Jesus. Today we've come to the last resurrection reminder, and it comes at the very end of the gospel. Peter, it says in John 21, turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against 
him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You, Peter, follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Remember that old hymn, The Love of God? It says something about if all the world were parchment, some, I'm, I'm misquoting it, and every man is scribe by trade. It's a reference, no doubt, to this passage. That the whole of the world could not contain the words that uh, would adequately describe God's love. And John says, shoot, I could have kept writing. <laughs> Who knows how long it would take me to get through John if there was more than 21 chapters, but it's probably good he stopped at 21. This conversation that Jesus has to conclude John and then this kind of closing remark of its author comes directly after Jesus' commission to Peter to follow him. The recipient of the reminder in this passage is the somewhat mysterious unnamed disciple who has popped up a few times in the gospel. Though not given a name specifically as we would expect it, he's given a title. He's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Our review of the gospel hasn't allowed us too much time to explore even the specific times he was mentioned. In fact, I don't know that I've ever specifically, whoops, specifically pointed it out. We'll see if that thing will rev back up. Getting ready to take off, sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be okay. I don't know that I've specifically ever pointed it out. The times that he is uh... there we go. He does get a lot of attention from biblical scholars, though. His identity is hotly debated, in fact, by some of them. I'll not take the time this morning to delve into all the possibilities, as I, I think the one that makes the most sense is clearly outlined in the text. Though it would be represented something of a slow reveal within the gospel itself, 
as they first heard or read the gospel. The beloved disciple notes that he is the one who has authored the account of Jesus' life. His task or commission was to bear witness of Jesus through the written word. To record what Jesus had done and said and the way that he lived his life. More specifically, to give testimony of who Jesus was in his own life and the impact knowing Jesus had. There's almost, if you think of it that way, almost a simplicity about the commission to this beloved disciple of Jesus. I just want you to faithfully tell your story. I just want you to be able to describe what I, the Lord Jesus, meant to you during my ministry on earth. Simplicity, yes, but also a sense of faithfulness and even duty in the commission given by Jesus to the beloved disciple. Over the last five or six days, I've thought often about Virginia. Her story, her testimony, her account, as it were, of what Jesus meant to her. Told more often through the way she lived her life than what she wrote. Many of you knew Sis as she was known around here for decades. As I stood with her children and a few other extended family around her hospital bed Monday evening, we were reflecting a little on the things that were most important to her. I mentioned to them her decades-long ministry as the accompanist. In fact, I kind of intimated that I wasn't exactly sure how long she had held that role because any time I had kind of mentioned it, the, the, the word was, well, about, about as long as I can remember. Huh? One of her sons mentioned how excited she was when this organ was uh, purchased. At that point, I assume a Rosedale. Huh? Is, that, is that right? Yeah. Rosedale, and that she, when it was purchased, Correct me, those who know better, didn't know how to play the organ. Learned how to play the organ. And I think, based on the fact that she had a piano over here she could play, preferred to play the organ or grew to, uh, to that, uh, that preference. We talked about the way she'd applied herself diligently to learn to to play. There are similarities between an organ and piano in that they have keys, but there is stark difference too to be able to play the organ well. In fact, it takes way more talent to play the organ well than for me to ding, 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 punch out keys on a piano. 
She was a very talented lady. In reflecting toward the end of her life, I think it's important. I said to them that night to acknowledge some of the challenges that she faced. Life was not all sunshine and rainbows. Children of her own dying very young. Grandchildren passing away in tragic circumstances. I won't say this tomorrow at the service. I'll say it here. I did say it to her kid, to her around her bed. I said, you know, I was looking at my notes this week and saw that we had done John's funeral in July of 2020. In fact, I think it was one of the, I think it was the first funeral I'd done inside post-pandemic. We, of course, had gems out of the gravesite. Yeah, just just seeing the reaction of of uh, of her kids when I when I mentioned John, you know, one of them said they were we were talking about her commitment to being in church, and one of them said, "Oh yeah, Dad, Dad, he he made us get up for church too. He came in one morning. I can remember him coming in one morning and dumping water on us to get us out of bed to get to church." And I said, I knew the answer. I said. Did, did he come that morning too? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, you know, I always, I always liked talking to, to your dad. He, uh, he kept me on my toes, if, if, if nothing else. And I said, you know, they, they were a very unique pair. Very different. I told them, and again, I'm not going to say all this tomorrow. But I did tell them. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure Sis ever got over losing John. Some of you ladies know some of what that's like. She had her share of struggles. She had valleys that lay before her. I mentioned the other night, though, that. Even in those difficult circumstances, her testimony, her account, as John puts it, remained the same. She bore witness to the encounter she initially had with the Lord Jesus years prior and continued to have each day after that. Simply telling her story. Just a not not in any way, in a pejorative way, but just an ordinary lady who played the piano or the organ at church. More faithful in her attendance than her pastor was. <laughs> we miss her. We're going to miss her. I think it's a good time to reflect, though, on her life and on the way that John was commissioned to give an account of his encounter with the Lord Jesus to think about ourselves. What about us? How are our stories 
bearing witness. It can be easy, it can be so easy, like Peter. Did you catch it there in the passage? When Peter says, well, well, okay, I'm supposed to follow you, Jesus. What about him? What about this guy? It can be so easy for us to fall into that, that trap of comparison. I've heard it said before, the comparison is the robber of joy. We can always, we can always find someone who seems to have been dealt to better hands than we have. As Jesus said to Peter, what happens to or for them is really none of our business. That's between God and the individual. We are asked only to be faithful witnesses. May we, our church family, and those who also follow the Lord Jesus, may we be inspired by the hope of the resurrection and encouraged by Virginia's life as we give thanks this day. Because for her, the resurrection is now reality. Amen.